Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. We start a new series this morning. There's this insult that takes place uh, on playgrounds all across the globe. It doesn't matter what nationality I don't think. I think this is common to all men. This one particular insult takes place. It happens when little boys get together and begin to test their strength and their dexterity and their speed because they know that uh, when they're being tested, they can throw down this one insult. It's like throwing down a gauntlet. It's like the proverbial slap in the face. It works every time. It's you know what it is, right? You look at your little friend that you're racing against and, and you've just blown them away and you make this statement, you, and then you fill in the blank like a girl. For instance, like you run like a girl or you throw like a girl. And it's as if, if you're a young man, it's as if your whole world comes to a stop right then. It's like everything that is holy in the whole universe has been profaned and that uh, retribution has to be made immediately. Revenge has to be sweet because you've just been given the ultimate insult. Over the course of the next few weeks, I want us to go back and look at what has been used as, quote, an insult and maybe revisit it and reevaluate it and maybe come to this conclusion that rather than it being an insult, maybe it is one of the greatest challenges that's ever been put before us as men and as women. And so this morning, the first challenge that I want to lay out to you and admonish you with this is, is this. We must learn to fight like a girl. Now, there are two ways that girls fight, and I want to make sure we're clear on which way that I'm talking about. Because there is the girl fight that looks like this. That's not the fight that I'm talking about. I, in your mind's eye, when I challenge you to learn to fight like a girl, I want you to get in your mind's eye, I want you to get a mother grizzly bear protecting her cub. That's the kind of girl fight I'm talking about. Because one of the most vicious kind of fights that you've probably ever seen in your life is one of those kind of girl fights, you know, where they are literally fighting tooth and nail, where there is hair pulling and eye gouging and scratching and screeching and all bars, no, you know, nothing is off limits that's the kind of girl fight that I'm talking about I want to challenge you learn to fight like a girl so in scripture this morning I want us to take a look at two women in the Bible whose lives were marked and revolved and evolved around battle there's not many instances in Scripture where you can find that women were involved in battle, but there are two. And I want to draw your attention to the, these two women because their lives and their experience and their story teaches us girl lessons that we need to learn. And so I want you to, if you have your Bible, you can turn. If not, it's going to be up on the screen. And I don't know why God always leads me to these passages with names I cannot pronounce, but that's all right because you can't pronounce them either. So don't look at me funny. So if I get to one I can't announce, I'm to pronounce, I'm just going to say hard name, okay? Because there are some doozies in this passage of Scripture. So if you would, just look in Judges chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. And we're going to read through verse 10, and then we're going to skip down to verse 12. It says, Now Deborah, a prophetess, the life of Lapidoth, what, see there's one right there, was judging Israel at the time. She used to sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. 
And the sons of Israel came up to her for judgment. Now she sent and summoned Barak. Y'all didn't know his name was in there either, did you? Barak, the son of Benanam from Kadesh Naphtali, and said to him, Behold, the Lord, the God of Israel, has commanded, Go and march to Mount Tabor and take with you 10,000 men from the sons of Naphtali and from the sons of Zebulon. I will draw out to you Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his many troops to the river of Kishon, and I will give him into your hand. Then Barak said to her, I will go if you will or if you will go with me then I will go but if you will not go with me I will not go and she said I will surely go with you nevertheless the honor shall not be yours on the journey that you are about to take for the Lord will sell Sisera Sisera into the hands of a woman then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh verse 12 then they told Sisera the, the, that Barak, the son of Benonam, had gone up to Mount Tabor. Sisera called together all his chariots, 900 iron chariots, and all the people who were with him, here, here you go, from hard name, to the river Kashan. Deborah said to Barak, Arise, for this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Behold, the Lord has gone out before you. So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. The Lord routed or put into a panic Sisera and all his chariots and all his armies with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as hard name. And all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not even one was left. Now Sisera fled away on foot to the, to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin the king of Hazor and the house of Heber the Kenite. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said unto him, Turn aside, my master, turn aside unto me. Do not be afraid. And he turned aside into her tent, and she covered him with a rug. And he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened a bottle of milk and gave him a drink. Then she covered him, and he said to her, Stand in the doorway of the tent, and it shall be, if anyone comes and inquires of you and says, Is there anyone here, that you shall say no. But Jael, Heber's wife, took a tent peg and seized a hammer in her hand and went secretly to him and drove the peg into his temple, and it went through into the ground, for he was sound asleep and exhausted. So he died. I don't know why they have to put that little phrase in there. So he died. I don't know anybody that survived a tent peg through the temple. But anyway, so he died. And behold, as Barak pursued Sisera, Jael came out to meet him and said to him, Come, and I will show you the man whom you are seeking. And he entered with her, and behold, Sisera was lying dead with the tent peg in his temple. So God subdued on that day Jabin the king of Canaan before the sons of Israel. The hand of the sons of Israel pressed heavier and heavier upon Jabin the king of Canaan until they had destroyed Jabin the king of of Canaan. Deborah and Jael were two woman, women who knew how to fight. So I want us to look at some girl lessons. A couple things, about three or four things I want us to examine. The first thing I want us to understand is that these girls recognized the need to fight. Deborah had enough prophetic insight in her life an understanding and an awareness of God's word at that moment that she recognized that there was a battle. She realized that there was a battle coming to the people of God. Jael perceived that she had a uh, 
to take a stand or to choose a, a side that she couldn't just stand idly by and do nothing. She recognized that there was an opportunity given to her, that there was a battle at her doorstep, and she had to get involved in the fight. They understood that there was a battle. They understood that they had to fight. I want to encourage you to wake up this morning and recognize this fact. It is a fact. There's no way to get around it. There's no way to ignore it. There's no way to not be a part of it. Whether we want to recognize it or whether we have enough prophetic insight to understand it on our own, I am here to declare to you today that we are involved in a battle and we must prepare and be involved in this fight. We need to understand and recognize that we as a body, corporately, not just this body that's sitting in this church, but corporately, the body of Christ, that we are involved in a ongoing onslaught and a consistent warfare. And whether we recognize it or think that we have to get involved in it or not, it is a reality of the Christian walk and of the body of Christ. We are involved in a battle. I don't know if you recognize this or pay enough attention or have enough prophetic insight to understand this morning but the body of Christ right now as we meet as we speak as we spend this time together is under attack by the enemy there is an attack on our belief system there is an attack on our morals there is an attack on our, our doctrines and our beliefs and what we hold dear. The enemy the, of our soul is on a constant battle lines, constantly fighting, constantly attacking. That's why there are situational ethics in our world today with where we decide what's right with what happens around us. I want to tell you that's an attack from the enemy. That's why the, the world says there are no absolute truths. They are attacking what we believe. That's why the world is ridiculing what we stand for and attacking our belief system and doesn't understand why we believe in salvation and sanctification and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and divine healing and a true second coming. Why? They think all of that is hogwash. They are attacking what we believe in. There is a battle that we must get involved in but individually there is a battle against you as a individual believer too let me just tell you that the enemy has not changed his game plan the enemy is still here and roaming around earth looking to kill steal and destroy he will do anything he can do to mess up your life to mess up your marriage to mess up your walk that is his goal there is a battle that is here. It is evident. It is current. And we must understand and recognize that we must choose sides. And we must get involved in this battle and in this fight. You cannot stand on the sidelines. There is no gray area anymore. It is a black or white fight we are in. We are in it. We might not like it. We may not understand it, but it is a battle. We cannot huddle together and think that we will go through life and be unscathed and that we don't have to choose a side and I'll just play neutral. There is no neutral ground in this battle. And so like these girls, we've got to recognize that there is a clear and an evident battle that is going on. And we've got to have enough prophetic instinct and insight to get involved in the fight and to gut it out and to fight it out and to go to battle and to become equipped for warfare. One man said it like this. He said, Christians today are living like they're on the playground, but they're really on a battlefield. I want you to quit living your like, life as if you're on a playground and this is all about cars and houses and money and prosperity and blessings. No, no, this is a war. 
You are part of an army. And an army's no good without a battle. That's why in Scripture, why else would the Bible say that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal? You don't need weapons unless you're what? Going into battle. That's why we have been issued armor. You don't need armor unless you're going to come under attack. So there is a war. One man, his name is Jack Hanley, in his book Fuzzy Moments, wrote this. He says, there used to be this bully who would demand my lunch money every day. And since I was smaller than him, I would give it to him. Then I decided to fight back. I started to take karate lessons, but the instructor wanted $5 a lesson, and that was a lot of money. I found out that it was cheaper to pay the bully, so I gave up karate. I wonder how many of us find it easier to pay the bully than to learn how to defeat him. How many of us have a daily onslaught of the enemy and we fought back and we discover that it's not an easy battle. It wouldn't be a battle if it was easy. And we discover how difficult it's going to be and what it's going to cost us. And rather than being willing to pay the price, we say, you know what, it's just easier to live a defeated life than to live up to what we've been called to. I'm telling you this morning, there is a battle going on, and we must fight. The second thing that I would say to you about these girls is that they were unlikely warriors. You need to understand that women were not well accepted in this male-dominated society. Lepers and Gentiles and women were considered outcasts by many Jewish people, especially the people that Woody talked to you about last week, the Pharisees. You will remember in the New Testament that we're instructed or told that Pharisees would stand up every morning, many of them, and this was the prayer they would pray. I give thanks that I'm a man and not a woman, a Jew and not a Gentile, a free man and not a slave. Men did not look on women with esteem or in high regard. In many instances, they looked at them as property. And so these women were unlikely candidates to be warriors. Deborah was an exception. Deborah held a pretty high position in their society. She was considered a judge. The people would come to her, go out to this palm tree that they named after her, and they would ask her for arbitration. She was like a judge in a courtroom. They would go to her and say, this is our issue, and she would give them advice, and they would abide by what she ruled. Not only did she act as a judge, she was also a spokesperson for God. She was a prophetess. But then we find out that Barak says, you know what? I won't even go out to battle unless you go out to battle with me. She was a military leader. Dr. Brian Harbour points out that between the time of Moses and Samuel, no one else in the entire canon of Scripture during that period of time fulfilled and filled all three roles except Deborah. She was a judge. She was a prophet. She was a military leader. Jael was the wife of Heber. For some reason, there was this peace that existed between Heber and Sisera. Many believe it was because Heber was a metal worker, and since Sisera had 900 iron-rimmed chariots, many believe that he serviced those chariots and took care of those chariots. So there was this peace that existed between Heber's household and Sisera. So for some reason, Sisera looked at Heber and his wife, Jael, as allies. And so Jael was an unlikely warrior to be used by God because she was in some type of alliance with Sisera. 
In both cases, Deborah and Jael were unlikely candidates that God would use because of their gender or because of their position in life. And I would say to you this morning that most of us are unlikely candidates too. We're untalented. Some of us are unattractive. I hate to burst some of your bubbles, but, you know, I said this to myself in the morning, this morning in the mirror. You know, you talk to yourself in the mirror, and some of us have spotty pasts. Oh, I know you cleaned up nice this morning, but if we knew everything about you, some of us would kind of scoot over in our chair a little bit because of your past. Some of us are unqualified. Some of us are weak. Some of us are overlooked. And yet, the fact is, I would say this unequivocally and, and with no doubt and no hesitation, that none of us in this room, based upon our own abilities, our own looks, our own strength, would ever make it in God's who's who of the fighting forces. We're just not all that. But the truth is this morning is that God does and can still use us. If he can use a woman in that society, if he can use a woman who was in an alliance with the enemy, if he can use those women as warriors, I came to declare to you this morning that he can and he longs to do so. He can use you as well. Paul stated it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 through 27. He says, take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you. Not many influential, not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses, chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of, those, of the somebodies. That's who God selects. He doesn't look for the sharpest knife in the drawer. He doesn't look for the most qualified individuals. He looks for people like me and you who are willing to submit our life to Him, who are willing to be available. I want to encourage you, regardless of what you see when you look in the mirror, regardless of how you regard yourself, I want, to I want you to take a moment and reevaluate who you are in the hands of God because in the hands of God, you can become a mighty, powerful, destructive force in the army of the enemy. God wants to use us as warriors. In fact, let me just say this to you this morning. If you've been sitting in church more than three weeks, you should be armed and dangerous. And for as long as some of you have been sitting in church, you ought to be one bad man or one bad woman. In fact, why don't you turn to your neighbor right now and say, you go, girl. Come on, tell them. You go, girl. See, see, because what I've discovered is this, is that most of us don't understand this. It doesn't matter if we've been saved three weeks or 35 years. Most of us have forgotten that the enemy is indeed under our feet. And we live way below our authority level. We have forgotten that God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. We may look like unlikely candidates to the world to be warriors, but God looks at us and says, I don't underestimate you, and I don't overlook you, and I don't underrate you. I am willing to use you.
So we've got to see ourselves correctly. The third thing I want to say to you is this. Girls understood timing. On the battlefield, Deborah goes to, to the, the front lines with Barak, and he makes the, she makes this statement. She says, arise. Now catch this phrase. For this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. She comprehended and understood timing. She said, this is the divine appointment of God. This is the moment that God has provided for you to win victory. J.L. understood timing. She knew that God had given her a God-given opportunity to strike. She understood that if I lose this moment, if I don't take advantage of this moment right now, if I hesitate, then victory will be lost. They understood timing. We must understand timing as well. I want you to hear my heart this morning because I believe that, that corporately we are at the time. Hear my heart this morning. I'm not just blowing smoke. I, I, I'm telling you how I really feel and what I sense, and we've been talking about it, uh, Julie and myself and other members of the team that were in North Carolina, we've been talking about this. People that don't attend here that just occasionally watch online or they listen to our music online. We even had people walking up to us that don't even do that. They just heard through the grapevine that God is doing a powerful thing in our midst. We are at the time. But I want you to understand that opportunities are not postponed. They're lost forever. Hear me this morning. We are at the, t the time. It's the time to arise now. Opportunities are presenting themselves to us, and we have to strike when the moment is right. We've got to understand timing. I wrote some of them down that I believe are true for us as a body. We are faced with opportunities for outreach. I think Woody mentioned it to you last week. Uh, the apartment complex where we've been giving hot dogs away. Think about that a moment. All we've done is give hot dogs away. And now, last week, while I'm on the road, they call me in North Carolina and say, we need you to come and do an after-school, uh, what's it called, uh, after-school program for our children. And so we're talking to them about what we can do. We're talking about offering English as a second language classes because the apartments are full of Hispanics who struggle to speak English. And they, so it's impacting their lives. They are seeking us out saying, can you come and do something for our people? That is an opportunity that we cannot afford to miss because it's not postponed. It's lost forever. We have opportunities for ministry. We have opportunities for growth. We have opportunities for community impact. We have opportunities right now to impact and change the lives of young people and adult, for adults for eternity. Those opportunities are right here, right now. And I came to declare to you to arise. Now is the day. And so we cannot allow these opportunities to be lost by becoming distracted by personal agendas. We cannot allow the societal chaos that is around us at the moment to distract us from these opportunities and cause us to hesitate and to balk and say, we got to wait just a moment. We don't have the right amount of money. We're, we're not positioned. No, no, no. We cannot wait. We cannot allow personal chaos. I don't know what you're going through in your personal life right now, but you can't allow that personal chaos to cause us to miss our corporate opportunity. We can't allow vacations, <laughs> although we need them. Everybody needs a vacation. 
But if your vacation gets in the way of you seizing an opportunity that God has placed before us corporately, we won't get that opportunity back. Didn't get many amens there, but that's all right. We can't let personal busyness, we're getting ready to go into the fall, which can ha happens to be one of the busiest times of the year. School starts back. Thanksgiving's coming. Christmas is coming. And if we're not careful, we will allow personal busyness to distract us so much that we will miss the opportunity corporately that God has dropped in our laps. We cannot allow that to happen. We've got to understand timing. You've got to understand timing individually. Some of you have been waiting for years on, on certain moments in your life. And what I would say to you right now is that you've got to seize moments of opportunity and momentum. If there's momentum in your life spiritually and God is doing things in your life spiritually, now is the day to rise up and to grab hold of your promise and grab hold of your personal destiny and say, now is my time and I refuse to miss my opportunity. Carpe diem. Seize the moment or the day. This is the day. This is the moment. This is the time. We've got to understand timing corporately. We've got to understand timing individually and understand that this is the moment in our lives that God has been positioning us for for years. One man said this. He says, you can't afford to wait for perfect conditions. I've got news for you. The conditions will never be perfect. He goes on and he says, God's our goal setting is often a matter of balancing timing against available resources. Opportunities are easily lost while waiting for perfect conditions. So I came to say this morning, let's capitalize corporately. Let's capitalize individually. Let's destroy what needs to be destroyed. Let's build what needs to be built. Let's battle what needs to be battled. Let's grow where we need to grow. Let's seize the moment. Now is the day. Arise and go to war and take the fruit of our labor. That is what God is calling us to. We must understand timing. And then last, I found out that girls count differently than guys. I've discovered something. It wasn't a hard discovery. It's a discovery in my own life and probably every man sitting under the sound of my voice. I've discovered that men are logical, most men. About 99.999% are logical. We think black and white. And so what happens is, is in this account that I read to you is that Barack counted like a man. He assesses the situation. He sees what he's up against and he hesitates. He, you need to understand what they're facing. Let me give you some background. Up to this point in history, Sisera had never been defeated. Legend, he had all kinds of legends about him. Historical legends tell us that uh, claim that Sisera's voice was so strong that when he would call out loudly, the most solid wall would begin to shake and the wildest animal would fall dead where it stood. Legend, but it gives you a picture. Another legend about him was that when Sisera would, would bathe in the Kishon River, that he caught enough fish just in his beard to make provision for all of his armies. That's pretty wild claim. That's how awesome they thought he was. 31 kings followed Sisera merely for the opportunity of drinking or otherwise using the waters of Israel. Rabbis have written, although they're exaggerating, but they wrote that Sisera led no, more, no less than 40,000 armies, each consisting of 100,000 men. Do the math. That's 4 billion soldiers. Now, 
that is an exaggeration, and no one believes he actually had four billion forces again uh, uh, assembled with him. But it gives you some kind of concept of the might of this individual, of this general, and the unbelievable force that was up against Barak. And although he didn't have four billion men, he had a bunch of men. And we know this for a fact. He had 900 iron-rimmed chariots. So Barak looks out and sees this man who's never been defeated, whose voice causes men to tremble, whose beard was like a Zebco 33 that never missed. I don't understand how that works, but who had all of these assembled forces and had, that's a fishing reel, by the way, for those of you that don't understand, uh, that had all these iron chariots, and he counted like a man. He understood two things. I'm outmanned. I will never be able to assemble a force large enough. Even with 10,000 men with me, I'm outmanned. He also understood that he was outgunned because I will never be able to get the right kind of weaponry to go against this type of force. He counted like a man and he hesitated. So I want to say to you this morning, if you're going to fight like a girl, you have to be able to count like a girl. Because what I recognize is this, is that Deborah saw the huge armies too. Deborah understood that Sisera and knew that Sisera had 900 iron rim chariots as well. She knew. She too saw the unprepared, unarmed army that Barak would have at his disposal. And she knew he was outmanned. And she knew he was outgunned. But Deborah counted differently. Let me just show you the math equation she used. Undefeated a general, huge armies, 900 iron rim chariots, plus meager army, plus God, equals victory. That's how she did math. And so Deborah knew that if God is for you, nobody can be against you. One little, she, you know what happened? One little rainstorm that just one little divine intervention of God swept all the chariots away as the river Kashan flooded in an instant rainstorm. In other words, with one little intervention of God, he turned a mighty man into a milk-drinking, rug-hiding, tent-peg pincushion for a little woman. That's what he did. Because Deborah counted differently. Deborah knew this, that some put their trust in chariots, and in men. But if I put my trust in God, I win. And so my question for you this morning is, what's adding up against you? Let me do some math for you. Mortgage plus sickness plus, plus marriage struggles plus bad economy plus broken heart plus mistreatment equals defeat and despair if you add like a man. But let's add like a girl. Mortgage plus sickness plus marriage struggles plus bad economy plus broken heart plus mistreatment plus God equals victory. Our ability to fight is determined by our ability to add. We've got to go back and understand and quit looking at the black and white so much that we will begin to lift up our eyes and see the soldiers standing behind the soldiers. 
that's where we are. It may look impossible. Do you, I understand that some of you are right now facing impossible odds. That some of you are dealing with situations that there seems to be no way out, no escape route, that there seems to be no amount of provision being made, that there doesn't seem to be any miracle being working, but you're adding like a man. And if you would just go back to the place where you look beyond all your problems and all, all your obstacles and begin to see behind them and understand that when I lift up my eyes, there is strength coming from the hills. There are soldiers positioned behind me. There are forces that I'm not aware of that are working together for my good. They're on the, they're on the go. They're on the move. They're on the attack. And if I would quit act, adding like a man and have the faith enough to say, you know what, I see all those forces and I see all the obstacles and I see the impossibilities, but I recognize recognize this morning that I serve an impossible working God that levels the playing field and does more than that, it gives me a leg up and I suddenly become more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. We must learn to add. I wanted you to stir up your faith this morning and recognize that a little can become a lot in the hands of God. I could take you to account after account, but I just came to tell you this morning, lift up your head, peace is coming. Lift up your head, provision is coming. Lift up your head, health is coming. Lift up your head, breakthrough is coming. Lift up your head, breakout is coming. Re lift up your head, victory is coming. If we will add God into our computations and into our calculations and into our deliberations, when we add God, we begin to count like a girl and we win. So what is adding up against Learn to add right and see if you don't come out on top. We need to recognize that we got to fight. We need to understand that, yes, we are indeed unlikely candidates, but God will still use us if we're available. My third is we got to understand timing. Today is the day. We're at the moment. If we hesitate, we lose. And fourth, in spite of everything that's adding up against you, maybe things are multiplying against you. Maybe they're dividing things in your life. Hear this word carefully. There's a powerful word I'm getting ready to use. Are you ready? But. But God. You know when you say but, it undoes everything you, says, you said before it? I really like her, but this gets on my nerves. I really believe God wants to do this, but I'm not sure if I can wait. I, I, I believe in a miracle-working God, but I've never seen one. I, I think our relationship can be better, but. I believe my job, I, I could go out and win the world, but. I, I believe I could be friends with them, but. And it, the moment you say, but. You discount everything ahead. So let me just say to you this morning, lack of provision, but God. Sickness, but God. Misery, but God. Broken heart, but God. Pain, but God. Heartache, come on. 
guys, we got to get back to the right equation and understand that we've left out the most important part of that equation, Him. I want you to stand with me this morning. I challenge you to fight like a girl. Not this little slappy kind of fight. I want to release you this morning as grizzly bear mamas that can go out and even though when you look in the mirror and don't like what you see, and even though when you feel like you may be outmanned and outgunned, you will go out and understand that in the hands of God, you are a terrifying force. If we will seize this moment. Father, this morning I pray that you would teach us to fight like girls. I pray that we would recognize this morning and understand that there is a battle going on and we cannot be neutral in this warfare. We will not escape unscathed just because we decide not to participate. I pray that you would put us on alert this morning. I pray that everyone in here would hear the battle cry. I pray that everyone in here would understand that the, the alarm is going off. I pray that everyone in here would hear the sirens going off saying, Man, your battle stations, get busy, get plugged in, get strapped in, get ready to fight. Father, we recognize this morning, I'm the first to recognize that I'm unqualified to be in this army. I'm not strong enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not gifted enough. I'm not popular enough to be in this army. I don't belong except for one thing you use the foolish things of this earth to confound the wise and so this morning Father I reevaluate who I am I'm not who I am in your army based on my abilities I'm who I am in your army based on your strength and your provision and your anointing Father if there's an individual under the sound of my voice this morning that has been sitting on the sidelines and being been uninvolved and has refused to get involved in ministry, refused to volunteer, refused to refused to take territory because they feel unqualified or unworthy. Then this morning I pray that you would help them to stand up and brush themselves off and understand that they can be a unbelievably powerful weapon. God, I pray corporately this morning as a church we would understand and recognize timing. In my own feeble attempt, I tried to paint a picture of where we stand. We are at the threshold of great things. I can see it out there ahead of us. We are one moment away. We're one victory away. We're one battlefield away from being positioned for greatness. I see that, oh God. Help us not to miss these opportunities. Help us not to say corporately we have to hold off and wait and we're not sure and we're uncertain. I pray that you would stir us up as a body so that we're ready to march right into the gates of hell at a moment's notice. Father, individually, there are folks standing in this place that have 
been waiting on a moment all of their life and they've hesitated in times past waiting on perfect conditions God I pray that you would release them into their destiny right now I pray that they would understand timing to know that this is the moment the opportunity is before them they have the hammer and they have the tent peg I pray that they would strike and they would strike hard for your kingdom God I pray this morning teach us to count right I pray that our calculations would not be based on logic they would be based on faith we would we would be wise and we would take into account like you say in the New Testament we would do the count first so that when the when the day is ended we won't come up short but at that moment where we begin to count and we see that we're outmanned and we're outgunned we would at that moment put you in the equation in our personal lives I pray for marriages that are struggling right now that we would add you back into the equation Father for those that are sick that are listening to a natural doctor speak and it looks bleak and it doesn't look like there's any hope Father I pray that we would put you back into that equation right now Father for those that are struggling at work or maybe they're unemployed and they've looked all over and don't know where to turn and provisions are slim God I pray at this moment when they look at the black and white in their checkbook God I pray that right now they would add you back into the equation and they would say but God and at that moment the way we count would change so that we can fight encourage us this morning Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want to do this this morning. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, you cannot fight. I want to tell you this morning, if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, I, I hate to break the news to you, but you are outmanned and you are outgunned. You will never overcome the enemy of our soul by yourself. You cannot. The only provision that has been made, the only name given on, on heaven, in heaven and on earth, by which man can be saved is one name and one name alone, and that's the name of Jesus. Without him in your heart and in your life, you will be defeated every time. If you're here this morning, nobody looking around, this is between you and God. If you're here this morning, you say, Steve, I can't go to war. I can't fight this enemy off by myself. But I want to give my heart and my life to Jesus this morning. And I know at that moment, if I believe in my heart, when I submit to him, suddenly I'm a part of a bigger army. And I want to give my life to him this morning. If that's you, would you just quickly raise your hand and pull it back down? I promise you I will not embarrass you. Is there one? I, I sense this morning there might be one who needs to either renew that commitment to Christ or come into relationship with Christ for the first time. Is there one? You're not going to wait long. All you have to do is slide it up, pull it back down. I'm just going to pray over you from here. Father, I pray that you would reveal our hearts this morning. And that one that's standing in this room that does not know you, I pray that before they get out of this room, before they can get in their car, they will do what it takes to get to know you. It's so simple. We just ask. Jesus, come into our heart. We make you Lord. We add you into the equation of our life. And suddenly, instantly, our life changes. The sum of our life changes. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Father, I pray you bless my people. I pray that you would strengthen them beyond measure. I pray that these group, this group of people right here would walk out of here ready to fight. I pray they'd be ready to bust the enemy right in the mouth. 
I pray that they would be get, get ready, even as they're preparing to leave this morning. I pray that something within them would stir up. And as they walk out, they would begin to look at folks and go, but God, but God. And our lives would be changed forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Two things quickly. One, on your way out, just find somebody. Look them in the eye and say, but God. Then if you want to, you can say, you go, girl. Second, get your drive card on the way out. Talk about it on the way home. But if you need prayer, special prayer this morning, some of you are fighting tough battles in your life, and I understand that. And it can get tough. We want to add to your life. The way that we do that is we have prayer partners standing out in this west lobby. You can go stand right up, go back there and you'll find them. They're not there to shoot the breeze with you. They are there to touch and agree. They want to grab your hands, put their hand on. They won't stay there all day with you. We're not going to trap you in the corner and never let you out. They're just there simply to pray for you. If you need somebody to pray with, they're there this morning for you. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're struggling with, there are people out there that are going to believe with you and we're going to believe that but God is going to come through. God bless you. Thank you for coming to Passion this morning. Look at somebody and say, but God, then find somebody that you think it all. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 